you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I would just like it to be on the record that this is, in fact, Dustin's fault. I apologize, and I sincerely mean it, so Randall Flagg can't murder me. <laughs> Hi, folks. This is Apocalypse Now. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. And, and my name's Tom. I'm 48 years old, and I am developmentally disabled. Excuse my awkwardness as I often respond inappropriately in social situations. I don't know his speech, but I love his speech so much. Yeah. I'm the only dialogue he's fucking got. I know. We'll get into all of it. I'm Curtis. Thanks. <laughs> yes. So looking at the new The Stand miniseries. And on tonight's episode, we are going to look at episode five and six. Because we're gluttons for punishment. I have to be honest with you. Um, in the last like 15 minutes of episode six, just stopped. And I didn't, I couldn't get it to play. And oh. I don't know if it was probably user error, but at that point, I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, eh, either the, the vigil gets blown up or the vigil don't get blown up. At this point, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Spoiler alert. At the end of that episode, they find Mother Abigail, and then they blow up the vigil. Yeah. Freddy escapes from the basement and runs and saves two or three people. No, no, most of those guys got out of the way, but the fire got like five people. Yeah. So it would mean something if any of the people were anyone we cared about or, you know, had any kind of emotional attachment to. But I'm sure that none of the people that we cared about or had any emotional attachment to died, even if they were supposed to be main characters in the fucking story. Well, there actually is a character who does die in that, and it's Nick. Yes, I know. I don't know because I watched that part. I know because I read the book and I know who Nick is and I know he dies in the explosion. <laughs> but he's been in seven scenes in the show. Who is that guy? The deaf guy? Who cares about I that love, guy? I love that it was the most Scooby-Doo fucking plan that they could have thought of. You know, let's do this thing and just hope everything goes perfectly. And no one will ever catch us. <laughs> it was so dumb. Well, we know probably maybe that people are going to be in this area generally. We don't know if maybe the parking lot. It could be the parking lot. But just in case it's the house, let's load this piano full of stuff. And then just wait around. It wasn't even full of stuff. It was one t cardboard container's worth. No, I mean, all I, the dynamite was in the piano. I thought it was just next to. I thought it was just piano adjacent. No, they he opened the lid and uh, Nick opened the lid because he he smelled danger. And so he opened the lid and saw that there was a lot of random wiring. I, that's another thing. I love the way movies wire bombs because you can tell it's just like, let's make it look like there's wires on it. <laughs> well, in it's fairness to Harold, because of course Harold would be the one who put that bomb together. That would be exactly what you would expect him to do. Yeah. What happened? The rest, what happened before all that though? I don't even remember. Yeah. We jumped, we jumped. We well, that was, we, yeah, we've jumped ahead quite a bit. We arrive in Las Vegas Oh, yeah. There's no, like, road story or anything like that. They just are there. Now. Yeah, we're done with that. That part, it's only, you know, two-thirds of the book. We don't need to cover any of that stuff anymore. Because we've, 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 we're supposed to meet Trash Can Man out in the desert, are we not? Well, he has he has sections in, in part one and part two where he's, like, you know, blowing shit up and jerking off. Yeah. So, you know, that was not, that was very book accurate. 
but we we you know we meet him we we see him run out of medication we see him go crazy come you know pyromaniac i don't think all the all those kinds of story elements that make something entertaining, entertaining yeah you didn't see well don't worry don't i mean these last two episodes were conspicuously devoid of flashbacks right we meet we we go with dana for a lot of episode five she's our she we we see where she's gone to vegas and gotten a shit job and then you know because she's a bad spy is walking up to people and being like hey can you tell me how to meet brand the flag i sure would like to meet him because for no reason does he got like a number or yeah could I call him? Could I? Could would would, would what do y'all give me his phone number so that we could become pen pals and friends? She may she may have been doing it MacGruber the MacGruber style and just let letting him know she's out there so that he can make the next move. Well, uh, he does, and that move is to have his little manservant guy Lloyd go and find her and he's taken up with uh the crazy girl that nick and tom cullen ran into at that furniture store yeah which i actually i will say that i liked because i thought it was really interesting because i don't believe she's brought back but for more than like a second in las vegas just to sh- for us to know she's there in the book and of course she's got a bigger part in the 90s miniseries because she's uh, Shawnee Smith. Yes, because it's Shawnee Smith. So I like that she was given something to do. You know, usually this is where I would praise a show for taking a minor female character and giving her more meat so that it gives an actress a role and it creates more representation. But this show has so bungled every other female character that, you know, giving Donna Jurgens and that blonde and that pink-haired lady something else to do doesn't really... Uh, help me a lot. Fran sends Larry to break into uh, Harold's house instead of going herself, which is what she does in the book. She goes herself. That fucking pissed me off. Uh, well, she couldn't go, though. She had dinner arrangements with Harold. It's just so stupid. So Dana gets to Las Vegas. And uh, she was she working in the Lloyd. slaughterhouse yeah, or something. something. You know, welding she's welding something yeah she's you know doing her flash dance thing and you know. <laughs> sparks everywhere right it, not looking so good and then here come here come those two and they and they eventually apparently because she changes clothes they put her in the in some suite and they give her yeah. booze and they try to have a three-way with her right and then they decide to take her up to flag, but it was all a ruse. It was a ruse. Definitely a ruse. Yeah. Because it turns out that flag knew she was there the whole time. The only one he doesn't know, he knows that he knows about the old lady floating around out there, but he doesn't know about the third spy. He knows there's a third spy, but he can't figure out who it is. Every time he tries, he just sees the moon. The and developmentally that- disabled are his only weakness. Right. And uh, that makes that makes Dana get all tingly because she saw Tom Cullen earlier, and so she's like, "Oh no, it's Tom Cullen." And talk so she- about talk about shit jobs, though. Mm-hmm. Tom Cullen's got to clean up the aftermath of the uh, gladiator fights, which apparently that are are in Vegas now. Right. The world that they created for Vegas was, I think. Perfect for post-apocalyptica. It. Uh, uh, I'm of two minds on 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 Vegas. Uh, one, I yes, I agree. I thought it was like this is what evil people would do in Vegas. They'd have, you know, have have outdoor sex and spank each other while on stripper poles, and you know, ooh, isn't it decadent? But and never and never clean up the cum. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> but in the book, Stephen King goes out of his way to be like, the people in Vegas cleaned up all their dead bodies before the people in Boulder. The people, you know, in Vegas got their electrical grid on 
you know, before the people in Boulder. Because, you know, like, it, I don't know. I just, it just seemed like. Because they weren't so Christian about getting it done. Right. Well, no, it was more about like, they didn't, you know, the people in Boulder, it took them, they were respectfully distant of the houses, you know, so they yeah. didn't clean out the dead because it took a while for them to be like, okay, well, I guess we're going to be living here. So we need to clean it, you know, clean it up and get in there. Wasn't um, Vegas also more of a, just a sense of fear hanging over everybody? Yeah. And everybody was terrified of him. Yeah. Because here, it, here it's a lot less that they're scared of him as much as they worship him, which, you know, I mean, a, a different interpretation is fine. It just, it was more like now we've come to, you know, a big giant sex party with with you know a, some blood and circuses. Well, yeah, it was all blood and circuses. It was you know kind of just this giant orgy meets Thunderdome, and with flag up on the top of the you know the mm-hmm. tallest building in town. It didn't it didn't feel evil. It just felt decadent. And there's a difference between mm-hmm. evil and decadence. Decadence on its own is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually a bad thing. <laughs> but, you know, this is a, we're, we're assuming these are all consenting adults, right? right? Right. But, you know, but all the women were sexualized and all the men were predators, you know, and that's the way it works in PA Vegas. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, the, the one thing it felt that it was missing, and you don't get it until later, in, at the, near the end of episode six, when that guy, right, yeah, you know, kills the lady, and yeah. you see him be basically just be this murderous monster in an elevator. It's, a, it's an effective murder scene, mm-hmm. but at that point, up until that point, it's there's no real outside of his. I don't know. Did, it felt a little. It feels a little odd that the only time we're seeing Flag be really, really dangerous is in front of very, very small audiences. You know, there's just he's not out. It's not out in public where he can be. You know, it is. I don't know. It at this point, for all the fact that you know he's a fine actor, I'm not scared of Flag. No, I don't know. I don't know, Tim. This this show. It really, they really decided that the that the the main characters were boring. You know, they were like, "Why do we want to hear about Flag and Nick and Fran and Stewart? Let's spend, uh, you know, four episodes building up uh, Why Why so that when he dies, we can go like, oh no, not the guy that was friends with Harold.' Oh, I loved how they." How Harold explained that away, or set him on his little bench, like oh god, that was stupid. I, I guess he can commit suicide. I don't know. That's, I don't know. You know, that's what happens. Sometimes people shoot themselves in the chest. <laughs> yep, that can happen. That can and does happen. Don't think too hard about it. We're God's chosen. No one would murder here. Well, little did they know. Right. Well, I mean, and that is actually, if I remember correctly, in the this something similar to this happens in the book. I don't remember. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm thinking yes, and but I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna speculate. Anyway, so uh, turns out Dana, he, you know, Flag's trying to get her to, to tell him who the spy is and she won't do it. So she stabs him in the neck with some scissors. And I liked that too. I liked that little bit where she stabs him in the neck and it's like, Oh no, I won. I won the thing you guys. <laughs> and then it turns out, no, didn't win the thing. <laughs> uh, Cause he, he's an immortal demon. And, uh, and so he gets up and he's like, Nope, didn't win the thing. And so she stabs herself in the, in the neck with the champagne bottle uh, which I very much enjoyed. Yep. That's the end of Dana. Yep. And the other spy doesn't even make it to Vegas because the border guards see her and kill her on sight. 
even though they were expressly told not to. And so that's where we get the thing where they kill, where Flag kills that other one guy. Yeah. So <laughs> you guys, you can't see because we're audio. Uh, Tim has leaned over onto his desk and he's placed his elbows on his desk and he's steepled his hands as if in prayer and then pressed them against his forehead while he's trying to think of the best way to explain this thought that he's having, which makes me, which tells me that he's really not excited about having to explain this thought. Go ahead, well, Tim. So the, like I said, the only, the only time we see flag really being a threat to those around him is in his penthouse suite. Mm-hmm. But this is also where we see flag Basically, he's like a funny villain in a bad action movie. Because it's all this sort of banter. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, it's very important that my people feel that they can say that they're sorry when they make mistakes. Are you sorry for making a mistake? Why, yes, Mr. Flagg, I'm sorry for making a mistake. Are you sorry for making a mistake? I'm not sorry for making a mistake. Are you sure you're not sorry for making a mistake? It's like, okay. Really was one of the worst shakedowns ever. I mean, okay, so so everything from the moment, everything from the moment where the guy breaks for it is yeah. fine. It's flags hunting him down. He's blowing doors apart, and he's killing him in the elevator, and and covered in blood, holding his heart in his hand. I mean, it's all it's all very cool, gory. You know, this is what this is. You know, flag is a monster. But the whole flag is the leader of this society is just so stock evil. I mean, it's Drax from Moonraker. I mean, it's which is not necessarily a good comparison, folks. I'm I'm sorry if you're a Moonraker fan, but it's one of the lesser Roger Moore James Bond films. It's got some cool, you know, visual effects for the time, and of course, it's got you know Jaws in it. But other than that, it's not a particularly great movie. And he's just such a stock villain. And I keep thinking of myself, Flag should be creepy. Flag should be yeah. disturbing. Flag should be all the time. But he should all, you know, right. that's a, that seductive evil thing. We've, there have been plenty of actors who have played the devil who have pulled off seductive evil better. And Flag's not supposed to be seductive. He's supposed to freak people out. And yes, the Saras guards are a good choice for freaking people out. But I don't get that from this portrayal of Flag. Yeah, it's. I just really it kind of misses the point of being. I mean, look, there's rules about being a villain, about portraying a villain. There's rules about it, and that's. The first rule of portraying a villain is not to consider yourself a villain. And I think that's what Skarsgård's doing. The thing is, is that Flag knows he's the villain. That's the I think he takes some pride in it. Yeah. He revels in the evil. He knows that he's the destroyer. He knows that he's, you know, the polar opposite to Mother Abigail and that he is a, you know, she serves, she serves the Almighty and he, doesn't he doesn't do it? Yeah, that's right. And it's just—I mean, I this sense of epic evil is just isn't there. No, I mean, you know, there's—he's—he's he's a guy who floats and can kill a man with his bare hands and blow a couple of double doors open and appear in people's dreams. But this—the sense of epic, the epic scale of this <laughs> is good versus evil. Imagine if this guy showed up at our house and be like, all right, what else you got? Yeah. Like, oh, is that a wolf? Can I pet it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, with the, except, with the exception of these moments. And, of course, he's going when he figures out and standing there holding this guy's heart in his hand. It's the rat lady now it's because they, they flipped the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rat lady is played by uh, Brad Dariff's daughter. 
a, an effective actress on her own and she's done plenty of other work, but not that you know, because even though she's in this, there's no real, the rat lady is a real, or rat woman um, is a background character here. She's just sort of there. Mm-hmm. She's an announcer and, you know, Fiona Deriff, she deserves better. She's another, well, she's another female character in this show that could actually deserve a little bit better. And I'd recognize her if she'd have went ahead and kept the mutton chops. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> the Vegas stuff is fine. I mean, it's it doesn't particularly do anything for me, and it doesn't particularly. I'm not. Flag isn't scary enough. The show isn't supposed to be scary, Tim. I think that this show is supposed is not is supposed to be like a. Sp- this was supposed to be a big spectacle. It wasn't supposed to be a horror show. It was supposed to be a drama. Uh-huh. You know, with some supernatural elements. They don't want it to be scary. They don't want to make, you know, have any have any consequences. They just want people to watch it and be like, okay, you know, we're not the only people watching this show that hate it. Oh, I know. IO9's reviews are just like why did we do this you know it's I don't know I don't know Tim sometimes I lose faith in media and it's real hard because like I've I've devoted my life to pop culture and sarcasm and you know when one of those things fails me really badly, it, it hurts. We end up meeting the, the, the trash can man in the second, in, the, in episode six. Right. The trash can man has by far been the most interesting thing to happen since Tom. Yes. But he's also, a, a, yes. He's uh and I think I'm beginning to figure out where the value of this story is. It's in the freaks in it. Mm-hmm. You have to make the freaks freaky. Uh, it, you know, the misfits misfit. You know. Right. I.e. Harold. They gave me a six, I'd like to see a nine. Mm-hmm. And I they gave me like a nine five with trash can man because he's yeah. delightful. Ezra Miller likes to go there. I think that dude's putting some fine work out there, and he's he's been just dazzling. He and his little in his little thong or whatever that he masturbates in, just walking yeah, around bare ass, going <laughs> woo woo and screaming. I love when they get in the elevator. He looks at Lloyd and says, "You're gonna die. Sorry." <laughs> 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 Yeah. Oh, he's great. So, uh, uh, Randall gives him, uh, gives him a job that he's absolutely stoked about. He's got to go out to a military base and bring back the big boom mm-hmm. so he can have all of the, all of the fire he wants. Yep. And, um, I guess that'll probably happen next episode. We'll see more of him doing that. We'll probably get, about three minutes of him doing something fun and then uh-huh. we'll, then we'll be right back with Franny's boring ass probably yeah. having three labor pains or something or or standing there saying I wish that I could have saved Harold why couldn't I have saved Harold all she had to do was bang him and he'd have forgot all about her he'd have been like oh I'll bet this is other places too <laughs> <laughs> well here's the thing like the there's this the scene where she confronts him yeah. and says, you I will know, never you don't... be with you like that. Well, no, in in episode six. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In where the... he's where in there in the basement and she says, you know, he's like, I have to do something so people remember. And she's like, No, you don't understand. like we the thing you're looking for is right in you know, right here. Like, you know, we all cared. We all wanted to be your friend. That's uh, not in the book, and I think that that's a one a writer uh, really working on some issues. One well, I the- think they're mistaking the theme of the of the series. I think 
Stephen King had a theme in mind for this, and I don't think that they are adhering to it. Oh, well, duh, but... Again, we come back to the narrative structure of this show as being a real, real problem. Is that we don't know how much footage is sitting on the cutting room floor. We don't know how much of this stuff actually ended up being structured the way it is because, you know, in the edit room, which happens all the time, and we know we know that, but how much of this is actually what these writers put together for these episodes. They didn't shoot this. Well, everything gets shot out of order on a film Mm -hmm. set. That's just the way, that's just how it works. We are, are, we are suddenly in episodes where we are getting chronological order. We are getting things happening at the same time. We are getting things, you know, proceeding after one thing after another. We're not getting flashbacks, which means we didn't need the first episodes of the show to be in flashback. And right you know, the way that they were and whether or not any of these characters would have felt deeper or richer if they'd actually been in order. Well, probably not because we still saw the scenes, whether they're out of order or not, mm-hmm. but that ends up being a cumulative effect effect thing where you spend time with a character for a while. You get to know, you get to feel like, you know, who that character is. That's, you know, but well, yeah, I have to say that they, they improved a bit not having so much these last two episodes, it was easier for me to follow because they were were being, they were, they had to go back and forth, but it wasn't flashback and forth. Yeah. I I didn't miss the flashbacks. I didn't miss it at all. Uh, In fact, I think it was probably better without it. Uh, And maybe they should have just left out the flashbacks completely. That's what they wanted to do. They never wanted to show anything about what happened before or during the plague or the journey. They didn't. It's obvious that they didn't. Yeah. Which is so weird. Because if you, if you just look at, if you just look at, we have what we have here, the vast majority of this story, not taking place with the fall of the world and the ravages of captain trips or the journey from, Colorado to to Nevada. All these important things which really establish this world aren't there. And so basically the majority of this story is taking place in a town that looks pretty much like an ordinary town mm-hmm. in Colorado. And Vegas, which is just like it's Mardi Gras in Vegas, I guess. I mean it's it's Bourbon Street gone wild you know, dumped in on the strip. And again, we just, we, we don't, there's just no sense of scale for good versus evil in this show. So far, the most evil person we've encountered is the lady at the reception desk who wants to throw Tom in the slave pits. Right. Somebody walks in and somebody else that's evil walks in and goes, really? That's a little, are you sure? No. Was, <laughs> we have rules, rules man. Yeah. We we need her flashback backstory. <laughs> was... Yes, and so she survived the apocalypse and was called to Vegas from like from Kansas City. She <laughs> she's from Kansas City. And so she gets to Vegas and she's like I'm going to have a new life. I'm going to have a new life and a new important in the role of evil and they're like actually you have a lot of customer service background, so we're going to need you to do this. <laughs> you should like, not have packed or my truly, resume. this is an evil place. That's the problem with... Good, so that, so they, he's like, you better find some place to put him. So she puts him in body removal. <laughs> not old body removal, new body removal. Because there's right. lots. There's a truckload of new bodies. Oh, so, okay. So there's a Tom l- line through uh, episode six as well, where uh, uh, his friend, whom I guess he doesn't recognize, tells him, hands him a note that says run, but he can only spell moon. Mm-hmm. So he has to have somebody else uh, later on. They see, he finds a place where the words match or the letters match or the shapes yeah. on the page. And he asks somebody to read it for him. And, and, uh, 
I think he, he gets the hint because that night when he goes to take the truck to the body truck parking area in the garage, <laughs> I don't know what that was about. Um, it's not like they were by a, with a meat packing plant. I think they were making food out of those bodies, by the way. Well, Soylent Green is people. So. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, he ends up hiding in the bodies so he can get out of town. And that's kind of where we leave him is right is in the back of that truck. Well, and he's doing it at the same time that flag has realized. Yeah. That is that skin of his teeth. That this is, this is what the moon symbolizes. So yeah, it's, it's a very much a skin of his teeth kind of, kind of thing. And that's the only real tension. Well, the most tension this show has had so far is here in Vegas. Uh, right. And, and then, of course, we keep jumping back to Colorado to find Harold just being Harold. I'm just I'm so tired of Harold. He's got a camera in what's-her-face's bedroom so he can watch her fuck Stu Redmond. Yeah, it's all just creepy. It's all just creepy. Uh, but not... And uh, not, I don't think it's it's you know, it's an addition that they they just loved. They loved Harold. They wanted to give Harold things to do. So, you know, yes, of course, he was able to put cameras in everybody's house. Harold's our, our little angel baby who's crazy. They had the balls to play Don't Fear the Reaper at the closing credits. Did you notice that? I did. That was ballsy. Well, they've also they've played a lot of music from the original miniseries over the credits. Well, if they're going to give the original miniseries a nod, they should maybe try to be as entertaining. Right. Well, and that's the, you know, that's the thing that's still very frustrating for me, is that this really is a great cast. Yeah. They all it have is. moments where they're where they're doing good work. You know, they, they aren't they aren't miscast people. They're just not they're not giving the stuff to work with here. Yeah. And again, not knowing what is on the cutting room floor. I mean, there's just, you know, it's no sense of, of what they shot and we didn't get, but so mother Abigail isn't happy that they sent folks to Vegas. She's not happy that God's not talking to her. So she goes on a sabbatical. She wanders out into the woods. Freaking everybody out. Because she's an old lady. And it's cold out in the woods. Yes. But Flag is there to keep her warm. Yep, Randall shows up. All that was shot so dark, I really couldn't tell where anybody was. Or Right. Camera. I'm watching that sequence, and all I'm thinking to myself is I'm watching a scene from a bad 90s science fiction show <laughs> because it was lit like that and it looked like one of those we're going to meet in the quarry and have our showdown. I mean, it just, it didn't look like a real place. It looked like a soundstage wilderness set. And maybe it was, and maybe it was just happens to be sometimes reality looks that way. I mean, there's, oh, well, there's real they, places in the world that don't look real. I, <laughs> like, think, I think they shot about 95 scenes for Buffy the Vampire Slayer in that. For, it's that entirely film. possible. Yeah. yeah. So like the Universal Studios lot. <laughs> yeah. So they have a little the same sets in Star Trek. Yeah. So they they have their little, you know, verbal. Back I represent you can't harm me. God's protecting me. Yeah, how's he protecting you from the wind, bitch? <laughs> and her hundred and something year old personage grabs <laughs> a grabs a tree. That was super exciting. Mm-hmm. And because I heard we did her own stunts. <laughs> and because yeah. there's no sense of big epic good versus evil sense of scale here, I kept looking at this and going. Why didn't Flag just kill her? He clearly could have. 
there's nothing narratively stopping him from what we've seen so far. If you didn't know that there are, you know, if you didn't know what's going on in the book, right? There is no reason whatsoever for him not to have killed her there. And if he has that much powerful, he's that powerful from a distance, then why is Boulder any threat to him at all? Right. I don't, I don't understand. Just really doesn't like her, I guess. Because uh, that's that is one thing that really bothers me. I don't know why these two people are opposed from each other. By I understand good versus evil, but why? Yeah, they needed flashbacks, but you'll never get one about Randall because he shows up in a lot of these stories. Well, because he's not really a man, and. Yeah. I don't know what backstory you would give him. Hey, remember that time I terrorized a kingdom back in <laughs> <Yeah>. the... <laughs> As I walked and destroyed this world and that world. I mean, yeah. it's mm, it's frustrating. This show is very frustrating. Yeah, I don't... Yes. I, You know, maybe it'll do what the Chiefs didn't do and pull a comeback at the mm. end. I don't know. The problem is, is that you can't undo what they've done with characters like Harold, where for whatever reason, you know, spending all this time with Harold, it's too late. We've already spent that time with Harold. Yeah. We've already had these other characters get short shift because we've spent time with him. And we've got no, you know, character development is what it is when nick dies when the explosion goes off because mother abigail has been missing and they go looking for her in the woods and um, it's gonna be a vigil harold and nadine you know plant their little bombs around and then okay we have to go back to nadine nadine gets cold feet and so she goes to larry and uh and offers herself to larry and uh, when she does this, the woman who Larry ended up uh, falling in love with when he got to Colorado, who traveled with them, but he fell in love with her after they got to Colorado. Um, I, I can't remember what her name is right off the top of my head. Oh, right. She's not in this. <laughs> because Larry said in the book, it's, it's I think, I'm going to just go ahead and say, I think, that I, call me. Call me crazy, but I'm going to go ahead and say that it's better in the book because, you know, there was the traveling when he was traveling with Nadine, they were sort of falling in love with each other, but she was promised to flag. And she knew that from a very young age. And they do that in this miniseries. And so when they meet up, that's how she's managed to stay a virgin and just hot dog it this whole time. Right, exactly. And so when they meet up with other people, there's a woman with them, and I can't remember what her name is. It's not important. And Larry starts to, you know, kind of hook up with her. And at first it's not that serious. And Nadine knows it's not that serious. And uh, But then when they get to the point where she's like ready to – you know, have cold feet. And she's like, you got to have, she goes to Larry and says, you got to have sex with me so I can, you know, we can be together. And he's like, no, you made your choice. I, we could have been together this whole time, but you rejected me. I've got somebody else now. And it's much better, I think, than, oh, gee, you know, I'm in super hurry. I'm in a super hurry for on a covert mission to go do a thing. Like why? At that point, he could have just rain checked. You know, Nadine, let's have this discussion. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, totally. I'll meet up with and bone you. I just got to go run this errand real quick. Give me a call in a couple hours. Right. You know. well, yeah, well, the errand, of course, is going to uh, search Harold's place. Right. And then Harold will later find in his basement uh, a footprint, a tiny footprint in the dust. And he'll think, oh, kids have been in my basement. But really, no, it's Fran's tiny shoe because she's got tiny lady feet. Oh, no, that's not what happened at all. (laughs) That's from the book they don't seem to care that they're adapting. 
No, because uh, he... <sighs> so Larry breaks into his house and manages to upset the chess nothing. set because that's what... It, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen a show or a movie where someone breaks into a place and they move a chess piece or knock something over and someone comes back. It's such a, such a standard thing. Yeah. That's how Harold knows somebody was there. One of his chess pieces wasn't exactly in the right spot and it wouldn't have mattered anyway because he had cameras in his house and he recorded Larry walking around. Yeah. Because Harold's Harold's the uh, the main character of the show. So yeah, this of course makes Harold and Nadine decide this is time to blow the place up. And with Mother Abigail out in the woods and no one can find her, they think she's dead. And they decide to hold a vigil at the house. And this is where Nadine goes around and places bombs, which leads to basically, you know, them finding. Well, no, this leads to Franny confronting Harold and doing the whole but the love you need was in front of you all this time speech. Mm -hmm. And then he locks her in the basement. Meanwhile, Larry is, uh, well, basically Nadine is, well, essentially saving Larry at this point. Yeah. This is right where, where for some reason my, my video cut out is, is Nadine and Larry were talking. I don't know what, what happened. Right. So he, she basically comes to get, she comes to get the kid. And Larry's like, you know, um, know, I'm going to go to the vigil. And she's like, that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm going to come take him away. And she leaves. And when he tries to leave, he discovers that the walkie talkies batteries are gone, that his bike has been disabled. And essentially she's kept him from going to the vigil, Mm -hmm. which means that she's safe from the bomb, which I guess is nice. I suppose. I mean, you know, she's not blowing him up. Back at the vigil, Franny finally breaks out and she runs, of course, you know, pregnant Franny here runs into danger, which is, you know, she's going to save lives all on yes. board with this. Yes. The camera makes a point of, you know, directly pointing at her belly to show that the risk she's in, of course, which is fine. I understand that. Um, and as she gets there, that's when Nick realizes because Harold actually goes on the on the radio, basically says, "I'm the bad guy here, and this is Harold, and I'm going to go ha ha ha." Um, and he Dude. and Nadine pull pull the trigger on the thing, and then the house blows up, and it kills Nick. And it's a fairly big explosion, so so Nick is dead. Alas, poor Nick. We barely knew ye. <laughs> Jokes. Mm-hmm. And Harold and Nadine have been revealed to be evil, but we knew that already. Yeah, there's no sense. There's no sense of tension. With I, I mean, I don't know. There's just, this really feels like there's no. It's not even. It doesn't even have the tension of a good drama, Dustin. I mean, you're right. It's not. It's not treating it like a horror story, but I feel like they ought to be treating it like a horror story. Right. I just don't have that sense of I just don't have that sense of scale. This show really yeah. feels really, really confined. Yeah. And you think considering that it was, you know, on one of these new premium plus channels, they would have really like gone all out for it. Yeah, and it because it doesn't look cheap. I mean, you know, it's again, this this it, the the cast cost a fair amount of money. Mm-hmm. And the location work all looks good, and and there's not. I mean, the it doesn't look like it was shot most of the time. Doesn't look like it was shot on a back lot. Get aerial shots of Vegas and mm-hmm. all kinds of cool things. But when can we go back to the bad shows we're used to having? Uh, we have three more episodes of this. Ah, uh, you will have to wrap this up. Oh no, move away from the stand. Um, I don't know. You know, uh, folks, are, are you enjoying this show? I mean, if you're if you're listening to our show and and you're enjoying the stand, could you tell us why? We promise we won't be mean. The stand is a great show to watch before you watch our show because it makes our show seem way better. Well, and you know, you'd know what we were talking about. 
right yeah. it'd be you know it's important that you watch the say the stand before you listen to us because you won't know what we're what, why we're talking so much about people named nadine in night in 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 2021 well there's that too the other thing is is you know if you're, if you're familiar with this show you're you're aware there's usually a model which is that dustin does a very funny recap and then we you know snark and and do analysis and commentary and, and run along that way. That's pretty much the model of the show from the beginning. Right. The problem is, is that this version of the stand resists that model. Because yeah. Cause there's not a lot to talk. I mean, the, uh, look, describing what happens in each, each of these episodes, all the way up to now, all the way up to these first six episodes, it would take, five minutes maybe to describe in detail what happens in each episode. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, how a show is paced, what's happening in a scene. Sometimes Mad Men lasted for what, seven seasons. And that's exactly how it was. But at the same time, it just, you know, it, it does keep coming back to a thing that there's the stand is one of those books that built up, built has built up a reputation for a certain kind of epic post-apocalyptic storytelling, right? Yeah. It's been, it's been the model for quite a few stories that follow after it. It's it's not a perfect novel. It some stuff doesn't age well, but it was, you know, it was written when it was written. But it's a very solid, enjoyable. If you're a fan of Stephen King, you probably like the stand. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's a real it's- shame that we're you know, in 2021, we've got a Stephen, a big budget Stephen King miniseries that feels like a whole bunch of the Stephen King movies that didn't quite work. I think I said this close to the beginning. Stephen King movies have a flavor. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, all of them, they all have a similar flavor. And I'm cool with that. I like that flavor. It's tasty. But uh, sometimes you don't get the recipe right. Boom on the metaphor. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Curtis Smith. I think I'm done for the night. <laughs> well, I don't know what else yeah. we can say about this, these two episodes. I think with three episodes less left in the show, clearly momentum has finally kicked in with the show, right? So we're kicking, we're blowing up houses and killing off characters and, and we've been to Vegas. Surely that means since the last episode is a new episode, is newly written for this by Stephen King, which means we have two episodes to wrap up the story of The Stand. How about the last episode that was written by Stephen King? He changes it from uh, the trash can man blowing up Vegas to a full-on, like, Tupperware armor, Game of (laughs) Thrones-style army battle. Oh, yeah, that'll work. That's sure. <laughs> no, it's gonna be it's gonna be an hour long. Where are they now? <laughs> so it's gonna it, be like they're gonna end it actually, like fucking porkies. Yes. <laughs> it's actually Franny's part of the stand because Oh fuck you, fuck you. Because <laughs> no, because Stephen King said that he never actually gave Franny never actually got to make a stand against Randall Flagg. And so that's what the that's what the final episode is supposed to be. Uh, I'm so glad that I didn't actually read or learn anything about that mystery ninth episode. Uh, because now, now that you say that, I'm mad and I'm gonna be like, what? There, this character who who spent literally you know, who's who's been in the background of the scenes and had very little to do is gonna have her own thing with what never mind (laughs) so folks you get dustin's probably incandescent rage to deal with when we end (laughs) we get to the final episode of the show um i don't know what else we can say about these two episodes folks as you can tell we're not enjoying the stand it's a real shame again this is a really good cast and it's shot well and it's and greg kinnear deserves better they all do. They all do. Like I said, it's a, it's a really good cast. James and there's Marsden. some neat, there's some neat ideas, just like there were neat ideas in the novel. It's just the execution's driving us nuts. 
If you are feeling that way as well, you can let us know. If you're liking this, please tell us why. Make us understand why you're enjoying it. And and you know what? That's great. If you just because we don't like it and you do, that's fantastic. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. But you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Dustin and Curtis are very funny on Twitter. I'm generally not. You can leave us a comment. You can leave us a question. You know, share the show. Let people, if you're enjoying it, let other people know about it. Love to grow our base. That's what we want. We want to be your friend. Exactly. Although, clearly, if you're our friend, that means you have to watch bad television with us because apparently that's the law. Mm-hmm. This is all Dustin's fault. Did we mention this was all Dustin's fault? This is all Dustin's fault. Anyway, um, you can leave us a comment. You can leave us a rating on this very podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on. You can find us, obviously, on podcast.com or um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, we're pretty much on every platform there is at this point. Uh, and we would love to hear from wherever you're listening to us on. Let us know. That'd be great. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Hey, wait, before we get too far here, Curtis, don't you have a new book you're narrating? No, people have already clicked off. No. <laughs> Once they start hearing the wrap up, they, they like, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll get it next week. It's no big deal. I'll get it towards the like first third. I think Curtis, that's a pretty safe place yeah. to spot it. But. Curtis has narrated another book, folks. My name is Curtis Smith. If you go on audible.com and you choose to buy the books that I've narrated, good job. Now you're my favorite. There you, go. you want to be Curtis's favorite. You know you do. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> oh, All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We'll do this again on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Hooray! lips Now is a show that you just listen to, motherfucker! That's I'm, that's I'm working it up. You're working on our theme song? Yeah. Zompocalypse yeah. <laughs> Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>